This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless this is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 723, with Dr. Neetha Bhushan. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 723. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. As co-founder of the Global Grit Institute, a mental health training platform for leaders and coaches, co-founder of the Dharma Coaching Institute, training thousands to live their best lives, and a thriving coach in her own right, Dr. Neetha Bhushan has helped thousands of women move past their heartbreaks, failures, and disappointments. And after years of research into human behavior, observing people in their worst and best moments, being a mother of two small children, and failing more than a few times herself, Neetha knows what it takes to get back up no matter what bowled you over. Her new book, That Sucked, Now What?, is a real talk guide to personal growth that draws on and embraces the suck and helps you break through to lasting, audacious resilience. Her book launches on January 31st. I want you all to go get it. It's fantastic. And we're going to be talking through some of the things she talks through in the book today. Listen in to hear Dr. Neetha share her experience of losing her parents and brother all before age 19 and then finding herself in an abusive marriage and how all of that impacted her life and work today. What makes our nervous systems so unique as moms and why we are so dysregulated? <laughs> I'm laughing because it's relatable. She also shares practices to reconcile and integrate your emotional nervous system, how to reframe your relationship with resiliency, 
why it's so important to celebrate and normalize sucky moments and what it looks like to be in a thriving stage in life and how to ignite your thriving. I love this conversation. I love the work that Dr. Nitha is doing. And I also just find this is such a relatable conversation. Her book is called That Sucked, Now What? As I mentioned, and I feel like that's just like a talk with a girlfriend, right? Like that sucked, now what? Like, And you're like gonna talk it through. So I think you're gonna love this conversation and really be touched by Dr. Nitha Bhushan's work. So with all that said, please join me in welcoming Dr. Nitha Bhushan to the Shameless Mom Academy. Dr. Nitha, thank you for joining us and welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. Oh my gosh. I love that title. I love the title of the show. I just feel like this is going to be so much fun. (laughs) I love it when people come on to the show for the first time and they're like, well, I just know by the title that this is going to be a great conversation. And I similarly, when I got the submission from your book and I was like, I can look at the title of your book and be like, I love the title. And I know this is going to be a great conversation. (laughs) My people, I'm speaking to my people. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 100%. So we're going to talk a lot about your book today. That sucked. Now what, which is the best book title ever. But before we dig into the book, can you tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and just what you're most excited about right now? Yeah. So I am an emotional health advocate. I'm like obsessed with human dynamics and interpersonal dynamics and I think more so in the past few years, you know, four years now that I've entered motherhood, embracing all of the messy, the magical, the joys and chaos. And honestly, that's really what's given rise to this new chapter of my life where I want to celebrate and normalize the sucky moments and normalize the, you know, sometimes hardships that we go on in life or that we have in life, because my early years of my life were all marked by, you know, really intense and sad emotions to then really embrace and feel the fullness of the other side and the contrast that lives between. And so, yeah, that's why uh, I'm I'm so pumped about this next chapter of helping other people also normalize that and to feel the suck because sometimes things do suck and how to actually rise from it and through it. And of course, you know, with some tools along the way, like comedy and like fun and play Mm -hmm. and that it doesn't have to be so sad all the time, because again, that's, you know, so much of, of that has really shaped who I am from a lot of my early stages of loss, losing my parents and my brother at a young age, all before 19. And then Wow. Going through series of events, like, you know, my first marriage fell apart and I got a divorce early on. So I had a lot of life before 30 to now know on the other side, all right, motherhood is chaotic. It's all the feels and we can play and we can celebrate some of those joys in the chaotic times. Can we dig in a little bit to your family growing up and tell me when and where you want to, if you don't want to go too far into it, but I'm curious when we have loss like that at such a young age, that really, really informs decisions that we make about who we want to become when, whether it's conscious or not, I think a lot of it can be unconscious, but can you talk just a little bit about like what those losses looked like to whatever degree you want to share? And then also how that kind of informed the work that you're doing now. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so at 10 years old, I literally became a child caretaker and Mm -hmm. between the ages of 10 and 19, you know, I grew up in a Filipino Indian household. My dad, both my parents were immigrants, you know, they came to the U S like all about, you know, living in the American dream. And so a lot of my early childhood was piano lessons and dance lessons and 
quintessential, you know, family upbringing. And it was great until it wasn't. And at 10, then my life completely changed. My mom was sick. She had breast cancer and she battled that for about six years. So between 10 to 16, Mm -hmm. the most formative years of my life, high school, you know, after school, not really having to hang around with friends, go to the mall like they all did when going to the mall was a thing. I was going to the hospital and I was sitting at her bedside. I remember kind of like, you know, I had a drawing class. I forget what it's called, but it's like a ROTC class or no, it's not that it's like a drafting class anyways. But it was like, you know, you bring all the things home. And I remember I had to bring it to the hospital so I could draw and sketch and do my homework at the bedside while, you know, just to be, be a companion for my mother. But yeah. And the tragedy would strike two more times you know, a year later, my brother dying of sudden death to an asthma attack. Uh, and that was really, oof, that was so painful and big and confusing uh, to, you know, to our family. And then two years after that, my dad would be diagnosed with stage four cancer. So mm-hmm. lots of heaviness, lots of, you know, there were times where I'm like, is this cloud ever going to go away? <laughs> and yeah. you think like everyone around you is like going to die, you know, and I was going to say that the post-traumatic stress of those compounded losses. I mean, I that's so much at such a young, young age. Oh my God. Yeah. Which is why for myself, I'm like, all right, I'm going to button up all of these heavy emotions. I'm going to bottle it up, put it in a closet so nobody can actually get access to it. And I'm going to use what I know best, which is the best coping mechanism ever, which is busyness, overworking, achievements, and goals. And that'll get me through it. And of course it did, you know, I can say this now super light on the other side, but it was tough. It was hard. And I don't even think I had the languaging to describe what that time really looked like because it was survival. It really Mm -hmm. was. And I had to be kind of like a mom to my youngest brother, you know, Vinny, and that's a whole different dynamic. He was 14 when he was orphaned. So it was, it was just so much, which then informed me of, okay, not going to have everybody, you know, or I'm not going to have our society or whomever. This was just in my mind. But the story that I told myself was don't let people feel bad for you. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. So that you're okay was the mantra that got me through my twenties. And it made me feel, you know, outwardly successful. I became a cosmetic dentist. I had a practice that was thriving before 30 and that became, you know, a million dollar practice. And also I got married. I fell in love, but what really then caught up to me at some point, because at some point the kettle's going to burst, I found myself in, you know, toxic relationship and abusive marriage, which I was in complete denial of until it couldn't be denied anymore. My life was threatened and it was just a whole big kind of awakening for me, everything kind of unraveling. It was December 31st and And this was a decade ago, but right before I entered, you know, into my thirties and, and that was huge because this was so pivotal in that everything in that life that I thought that I had built up until that time, you know, just pretending 
all of the things were okay. Cause that was my coping mechanism. I did not mm-hmm. want to be abandoned. I did not want to be alone in my life. And I was going to do whatever it took, even take yeah. on, you know, the people that treated me like crap, because I didn't know how to treat myself any different. Mm-hmm. I was born and raised with the Asian upbringing story is you please everyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, what will other people think if you get divorced? So it was all of these narratives where I finally broke completely. Mm-hmm. And that was the most beautiful thing that could happen. That was my magical moment of suck. I talk about that concept in the book is what would give rise, but I finally let myself break in front of people around me in front of, and really asking people like, I need help and I can't do this anymore. I can't keep this straight face in my business, in my personal life. I mean, it was just the sobbing, the hot mess. I mean, all of it. the shamelessness Mm -hmm. in it all, but it was the beauty that gave rise to, all right, you know, having the courage to stand up before, you know, a judge and and get a restraining order and get divorced and claim, you know, reclaim my power back and get into this next phase of my life and really then connect the dots of, okay, wow, the through line has been grit, has been resilience, has really allowed me to have, you know, monetary success so that I can now begin the journey of healing. And that was all in my thirties. It was getting help, getting the support, therapists, shamans, you know, traditional, non-traditional Western Ayurveda, like all ancient practices, whatever it was like, bring it to me and let me allow myself to feel the feels. And that's been a tremendous part of the work that I do now because it gave me the bravery to say, okay, I've done this in this way. And I've been known in this way as a cosmetic dentist and having this fancy practice, but that wasn't all of me. In fact, it gave rise to investing in, you know, female-led startups to starting a nonprofit called Independent Awakening to help champion voices for women and young girls of self-confidence and self-love. And it's only because I desperately needed that for myself. Mm. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school.
This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. I did an interview a few months ago with Frank, who's a therapist who does a lot of work in trauma. And she talked about which was so eye-opening and I can see it in your story as well. She talked about high achievement as a coping mechanism for post-traumatic stress. And I think that it's something that isn't talked about enough, isn't acknowledged, Mm -hmm. isn't labeled, isn't titled. And I would fall into that category as well as someone who like, I had some trauma um, in my childhood and then was like, I'm going to get all straight A's and extra credit. And that like, and just like achievement and drive was so significant and it creates this space to constantly override your nervous system. And then there's this huge cost to that at a certain point, which is exactly what you just shared. (laughs) So I would love to dig into our nervous systems a little bit, because I think when for, and because we have so many high achievers who listen to this show and I think can relate to just different pieces of your story while your story is exceptionally unique in so many ways, I think there's some really common through lines that are very relatable in terms of high achieving women who are overriding potentially either past stress or past trauma um, in order to show up in a certain way, because that's what women are trained and socialized to do. So can you talk about nervous systems and specifically, I'd love to know if you have thoughts on what makes mom's nervous systems unique, because I think that we really do a number on ourselves as moms when we have to help babies stay alive. And then we just like forget that we have ourselves to take care of. So I never really fully understood the depths of our emotional capacity. And that's me coming from a place of, you know, intense, life happenings all at a very young age, but I never really fully understood it, nor did I have the language for it and the full breadth and the spectrum of the emotional capacity until I actually became a mom. 
And I think that, you know, as mothers, there is so much that you're experiencing all within the sake of 24 hours. I mean, it's literally the reason why that has, you know, given me the birth of this book and the languaging around it, because I had to do a deep dive myself. I thought I knew all of it. I thought, I mean, that was like informed all of the work that I did. My very first book is called Emotional Grit. I'm like, I thought I'm there. I know it. I didn't know it. Until I became a mom. <laughs> right. And then, like, it. it's, it's just a different level of emotional grit. I mean, that was there, you know, it was like the spiritual practice was all right, you want to talk about grit? You think you've studied with everyone, you think you've, you know, put it all, but no, nothing prepares you for it because our regulation, our nervous systems are so dysregulated. And if we're high achieving already, then that adds another layer because. The other elephant in the room that we don't talk about is the identity crisis that hits when a little baby is, you know, born and the identity crisis of, oh my gosh, who am I? What am I? Can I receive that help? Actually, no, I'm not going to receive that help because I am a martyr and I'm going to do it all myself Mm -hmm. until you might have prolapse, your vagina might, you know, fall out. (laughs) Hi, there's physical ailments of overworking and it's physical now. Like I almost had prolapse thinking Mm -hmm. I come from, you know, the cultures where they say, okay, 40 days sitting in, there's a reason why you let other mothers and the elders around you mother you and take care of you. And I was like, nope, you know, I live in the U S and we don't do that. And my, my amazing mother-in-law, she's from India and she was what are you doing? She would tell my husband this. And, you know, it was my little rebellious 16 year old self that just wanted freedom but it was also me not wanting to be loved or that abandonment of like, well, what if I let somebody in and then they will leave? Right. And I think mm-hmm. for a lot of women, you know, your listeners who are like, well, I've always got it. I've always got it. And then you're in that very vulnerable spot where mm-hmm. actually for the first month or two or three, you probably don't. And you do need nope. support. And that's okay. Exactly. (laughs) That is very okay. And I think that it's, you know, that's where we expand because in 24 hours and, you know, one kid, two kid, three kid, whatever, how many children. But I think that it's all the same because they don't know how to regulate their system. They don't know how to regulate their emotions. They don't, the prefrontal cortex is not formed until 25, which means they are going to be irrational in all of the ways. And they need us to regulate and, and take care of them and all of these things. And so, of course, then we are piled definitely last. We don't have space to then figure out how are we feeling? Cause everything is just buried, 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 because we're busy moms until something drops until, you know, the husband didn't do the dishes for the last time or left the sock on the floor. And then we explode, blow up or blow up at our children. And so I think that has been the beauty in, you know, even my subtitle, like how to embrace the magic in the mess and the joy in chaos, because this is the chaotic times that really test our nervous system in so many ways. And I, you know, and I think the other thing too, Sarah, is the fact that we have so many different layers at that stage in our life. We're not just, you know, mothers. We are also navigating our relationship with our spouses, which can get rocky during that time, navigating relationships with girlfriends, siblings, friendships. And it's just that dimension of life, as well as if you're going into business with other people or, you know, your boss, 
all of the dimensionalities that come together. And don't forget, you know, we have aging parents as well. Mm. So are you then being a caretaker to your elders who are now aging in a different spot in life? And so it's so many layers, which is why there is that capacity to stretch us so much that we are then really wired to be okay in the dysfunction and the dysregulation because we're just on go, go, go mode. It's like putting out fire, putting out fire, putting out fire. And really the zero to five years, I mean, that's survival mode for mothers. Absolutely. Yeah. What I think we don't realize is the compounding effect of that on our nervous system, on our bodies and our physical and mental health. I think that when it's like, when you have a new baby in the first few weeks, you're like, wow, I'm really tired, like really, really tired. But then you're really tired for so long that you're like, I think I feel better now. Like it, because you really normalize that fatigue and just that level of like, holy cow, like I need more rest, but I can't even feel it. Cause the new normal is that I'm just chronically exhausted. And so I think when we carry that over the course of years, and especially for people that have two multiple children in just a handful of years, that becomes so normal that we don't recognize until many years later, if ever, that we're like, oh, I'm like, and maybe I'm like really chronically exhausted and not just like, I need to like take a nap this weekend or go to bed early tonight, but like, I need to rest and recover in a really long-term way and have really different processes to re-regulate or restore like normal, healthy function from a, whether it's well in a physical and from on a mental and physical health level. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I think also, Sarah, it's no wonder that Mm. a lot of times the big wake up call or that big awakening or, you know, the mic drop moment is when your doctor says, okay, your hormones are way out of balance or your cortisol Mm -hmm. levels are so high or your thyroid. You know, I think that's like the number one thing that happens to a lot of women, even if, you know, premenopausal or during menopause even is the whole imbalance of the thyroid. And and why is that? Because we're kind of just like passing it over, you know, because we're normalizing the fact that we haven't been resting and we think that's like, you know, the badge of honor versus being okay and saying, okay, I actually kind of need to prioritize the rest and that's actually okay. Absolutely. Can you talk about specific, now that we've like We've established that we're all really exhausted and we've ignored our own needs and we're completely dysregulated. Can you talk about how we can reconcile and integrate our emotional nervous system? Oh, yes. Yes. So (laughs) in the book, I have a ton of different practices and I actually have an emotional release practice that I talk about. It's an emotional embodiment practice. And a lot of times, when we are so frustrated and so stressed or we're so overwhelmed, it's so easy to numb because most of us will numb, we'll bury, we'll distract, we'll busy ourselves. We'll just say, okay, I'm going to go and and, and do all of the to-dos on my to-do list because that'll make me feel better. And that's, again, that's my coping mechanism. That's a lot of our coping mechanisms growing up. It's the way that we've been wired and societally conditioned to get shit done. I don't know if I can curse on this, but all good. (laughs) And it's also the thing that will cause us to burn out in so many ways. And so one of the things that I actually help, you know, you do in terms of the book is 
okay, first we have to understand that our feelings are valid. They're totally okay. And how do you actually express them? How do you express your needs? Because a lot of times as martyrs and women who are like, I got all this, I got it all. We don't express our needs and we don't express when we're frustrated until it's like too late. And then we're just screaming at everyone or like our lids popped and we're taking it out on whoever's in front of us, basically. And so one of the first things that you actually can do is just address, acknowledge the suck. And this is literally one of the chapters in the book. We first acknowledge the suck. Okay. What does that mean? Well, we can say, wow, that sucked. Literally that can be a mantra that sucked. Well, what sucked? Well, it really sucked when you spoke to me that way, or I really felt that I wasn't heard in that conversation, right? Because you're not blaming it on somebody else. You're taking responsibility for how you feel and your feelings are actually valid. Most of us will just kind of shy away from it or will we'll go on to the next thing, but I want you to actually acknowledge the suck. And then there's a way to feel the suck. So feel that anger, feel that hurt, feel the sadness, you know, and, and I have to say, just sit in the suck and not for a really long time, because I'm talking to a community that is overcharged and ready to move on to the next. And that's of course, what has built. And I talk a lot about a concept called audacious resilience. That is part and parcel of audacious resilience, but actually we have to reframe our relationship with resiliency because our resiliency is our ability to bend and to flex and not just be stoic and still and not feel But when we allow ourselves to feel, so, you know, it's a simple practice, like that really sucked that I didn't get that promotion or that really sucked that I worked so hard on that thing and it didn't go well. What part of that sucked? Well, the fact that I worked so hard on it and I felt like I didn't get the praise that I would love or, you know, the validation or or whatever that is. Right. But just to say it out loud that's mm-hmm. part of the healing process. Just the acknowledgement. Cause then number three is we have to acknowledge what part of that really sucked the part that, okay, it was a thing that I worked for really hard and it didn't happen. A lot of times it's our unexpected unmet expectations that cause that mm-hmm. sucky moment, yeah. right? If we have to rationalize it and then you know, let's move the suck because a lot of times if we're sitting at our desk or driving around, you know, pick up, drop off, we're stuck sitting in this position and, (laughs) and just, you know, release. So one of the things, and many psychologists talk about this is how the vagus nerve, you know, it's the, the nerve that runs from our brain all the way into our gut. It's what activates your rest and digest. So a lot of times all we need to do is activate it. So what do you do? If you're driving in the car, you can scream. Okay. One of the things that you can do, which is probably a little bit more uh, better for our nervous system and screaming is a practice. Okay. You can take a pillow, scream at it. You know, we tell our little kids, if you need to let out big emotions, what do you do? Scream into a pillow. So this shouldn't be any different for us as adults. Mm -hmm. Let's reparent ourselves so that we can give ourselves permission to do that. But you can also, you know, this is the practice, like hold on to your steering wheel and just let it out. Another way to do this is by humming. So we can do something as simple as hmm, hmm, and just add that two or three times for one minute. 
We can buzz as well. And the thing is, is as we're articulating that, we're already calming our nervous system down. It's the reason why when people say, oh, turn on a favorite song of yours. And this is another easy practice. We should have like, you know, our own playlist, whether it's a rage play. I have a rage playlist. I've got, you know, angry playlist. I've got a sensual mom playlist. Like if I'm driving in the car to get my kids and I just want to feel back into my body or feel that sense that I felt when I was like 18 years old, you know, to come back to ourselves, but to actually have these things built in. And then finally, any sort of breathing practice, and this is very simple where we come back to ourselves. You can put a very simple practice where you're just putting your hand over your heart and just that signaling you to, okay, I got this. You got this. I got you. It's going to be okay. And I'm going to activate my parasympathetic system, I rest and digest. So I'm not fight, flight, or freeze, but I can actually come back into my body. And sometimes it's as easy as putting your hand over your heart, putting your hand over your stomach. So you could actually feel because many times we're so in our head and then we're judging and we're thinking, oh my gosh, I got to do this, 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 and this. No, a very easy practice. Take your hand over your heart and over your belly. So you can actually feel yourself breathing because most of the time when we're anxious, when we're stressed, we're breathing just in our chest and we're not getting oxygen fully into our belly. And when we're not doing that, then we're making these like rational fear, angry reactions and taking actions in that way, instead of coming from a place of, okay. Yeah that did suck. And I am upset about this right now, but it's not going to take over your whole day. Mm -hmm. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. 
If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Oh my goodness. I love that these practices are really, and I'm thinking like from the mom perspective, that they're super simple. They're super accessible. They're very brief. (laughs) So it's not like go sit and meditate for 30 minutes and then go for a three mile run. It's like really quick moments that can be re be really significant resets. When you were talking about the breathing, what came to mind for me is how anytime I am in a group situation where there's a little bit of a guided meditation and I, or I'm leading that, which occasionally I'll lead something like that. If I'm like doing a retreat virtual or in-person little retreat, and I'm just to get people into the moment, I'll be like, okay, let's just like center ourselves, sit quietly close your eyes. If you want take a couple deep breaths. And anytime I do that or have other people do it, there's this immediate recognition of like, Oh, I haven't taken a deep breath in like three to six months. <laughs> like we just are not good breathers. And so I think that any of these practices can get us back to a place of recognizing like, Oh, I haven't like checked in with myself, held space for myself, acknowledged the suck, sat with the suck, processed the suck by really simple little things, because we're so connected to moving from one minute to the next based on what is expected or needed of us in any given moment. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I love the recognition on that. And I think it's because we're just on to the next and we're on to mm-hmm. the next. And I think that, you know, that is to give everyone and everyone listening permission to actually be okay sitting in the suck. And it's only because, you know, way back when I didn't give myself permission to sit in all of the suckiness and all of the feels. And I think as you ask, you know, in motherhood, you have no choice. Like you have a baby on your boob. You're not feeling well. You're not sleeping. It is all you're swimming in the suck because and you cannot really move because you have a crying child on the floor that wants something from you. So you have no choice, but to really go in and start to regulate yourself or start to mother yourself in that way and give yourself whatever the nourishment it needs. And and I love that you said, yeah, it's not a 30 minute meditation because we all know we don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a point where probably did, but not in this stage and season of life. And that's okay, which is why it's, Even when we, and I talk about certain rituals and practices in the book, as well as the accompanying workbook for everyone who, you know, gets the book, basically it's to remind yourself that you can actually create your own rituals and your own savory, juicy moments in your day that are so sacred for you that does not take, you know, that much time. It can be two minutes of going inward. And that's sometimes all we have and sometimes all we need, but you're actually savoring that and you're savoring that. Okay. If I'm angry, feel that anger, put on the song, you know, put on, and I have this ridiculous song that I talk about in the book. It's the dinosaur dance. It's by cats and boots or boots and cats. I think I always get it confused, but literally it's so ridiculous 
and you cannot help but laugh, but it's like this, you know, it's, it's, it's like this EDM, like high vibe, super like energizing song. And my son, Ari, he thinks it's called, you know, the dinosaur dance. Mama, why are you stomping? Cause mama has big feelings right now. You want to do it with mm-hmm. me? And so that's one way that we've I been able to it. normalize you know, the sometimes chaotic in our day. And especially if I haven't worked out, haven't been able to stretch, have been Mm -hmm. stuck sitting for a really long time. That's Mm -hmm. some of the ways that I can just like move the energy so that we can lock into some good endorphins and some good juju in our system and feel, you know, rejuvenated in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I love this idea of normalizing this, like just normalizing, like to be in those moments, normalizing that I'm in a moment where I'm having big feelings. That's just a normal thing that happens with moms and women and people like that is a part of the human condition. And I think we overlook that we're like, we think it's exceptional or like uncouth or something (laughs) all totally normal. Well, I was going to say, you know, this whole idea of the rise of this, like toxic positivity that like in the emotional perfectionism, I think I read, you know, a, a Washington post article not too long ago, or was like sent to me. Uh, by one of my students that, you know, it's this whole idea that we feel like we have to keep it all together, that it mm-hmm. has to be this perfection. Oh, my kids are so perfect. They're, they could do no wrong. And, and myself, I'm keeping it all together. But I know for those listening to the Shameless Mom Academy, we are giving the permission to allow all of the feels and all of the suck because God, it's exhausting to tell everyone, yeah, I'm fine. I'm actually, I'm, I'm totally fine. Actually, I'm not okay. And mm-hmm. I am just needing a good girlfriend cry right now, or I'm needing a good walk with somebody that I actually like want to talk to. Can you be right. that person for me? And to actually ask and state our needs in that way, invite other, you know, women in to like support us because chances are they're probably feeling the same way. Oh my gosh. One hundred. 100%. Every time I go to dinner with a group of moms, there's this like, oh my gosh, we waited too long to do this. And oh my gosh, we need to do it again soon. And oh my gosh, I need more of this. And there's just such an acknowledgement of like, no one is the instigator because we're just all busy, or maybe we're afraid of rejection or no one's available or whatever. And then when you do it, you're like, oh my God, I need this like every single week. So I want to shift into thriving because we've spent a decent amount of time talking about sitting in the suck, which is obviously really important. And typically where we, what we bypass. But there also, there can be a thriving stage and this isn't like thriving because we've stuffed everything and made it all look really cute and pretty. And we're all quote unquote, just fine or all good. It's really that we can arrive in a thriving stage and we will still be prone to sucky moments, but there is a thriving stage. So can you talk about what it means to be, uh, or what it looks like when we are in a thriving stage and how that looks different than the stage of suck and how it can be authentic thriving? Yes. Yes. So in the book, I talk about two distinct frameworks. The first one is the bounce back factor and what's your bounce factor basically. And there's four components, but that really helps. And we kind of talked a lot about that already, but the second framework is fly forward. And how do we fly forward past the moments that have actually sucked? Well, first we've got to acknowledge there's five different stages. And the first stage is you had a fall. And literally, sometimes it's a literal fall, it's a figurative fall, it's a metaphoric fall, but there's a falling stage. There's a recognition, a realization that something's not really working in your life, whether it's your relationship, your job, uh, your relationship with your kid, maybe you got a medical diagnosis, maybe you're just feeling stuck, right? And, or it could be, you know, a loss of some sort. 
So that's the falling stage. You're kind of feeling helpless, depleted. I mean, it's like that rock bottom life initiation moment. Then we get into stage two, which is the ignition. That's kind of like the fire under your belly. That's like, all right, I got to make a decision. Am I in or out in this relationship? Am I in or out taking my kid out of the school? Am I in or out with what am I going to do with this medical diagnosis? Am I going to make a big change in my life? It could be a small change. It could be a big change, right? But that's that ignition. We're taking massive action there. And then stage three is all about the rising. Now the rising is like baby steps because we're we're creating like a new reality for ourselves, but we're also acknowledging that that suck, right? That's the rising. We're acknowledging, we're acknowledging that we're accepting the reality that we're in. Maybe it's the fact that, all right, gained, you know, a few pounds after, you know, whatever has been going on, or I haven't been able to prioritize my self-care as a mom. That is the acknowledgement. And then we get into magnifying and magnifying that stage four magnifying is when we actually have a new confidence. Either we built a new, uh, uh, workout practice. We're actually noticing and regulating our nervous system. We're noticing when things are out of balance, right? We have this like newfound confidence, but then when we get into thriving, okay, that's stage five. Now, this is when we integrate the contrast. We invite, okay, sucky moments in our day are going to happen, right? My daughter didn't sleep last night. She was up from three to four. I don't know why she's doing this, but this is a season of life that we're in. And I'm like, okay, this is sucky, but what am I going to do? Am I going to still stay up late every night until whatever? Or am I going to acknowledge my body and go to bed earlier so that I can feel rested in the event that she does do the shenanigan, which she has been for the last three days and oh my. so that I can be okay. So again, it's thriving, but it can also mean starting a podcast. It can also mean being that way shower or that leader for your friend group and say, you know what, I'm going to risk rejection and tell three of my girlfriends, Hey, or moms, let's do this thing that we said we were going to do. And boom, Saturday, who's free? Join me. I'm getting the table and you know we're going to have dinner. Or we're going to have this container for two hours and we're going to do it once a month. And it'll be at my house and it'll be from you know six to eight or 12 to two uh, you know, during the day or, or what have you. Because I know we all need this as a community and be that person to then create ripple effects with other people and to be vulnerable in that. So that is thriving. It's to be able to understand the duality and the sometimes paradox of the opposing emotions that can exist, the nervousness or the rejection, yet the excitement, the sadness and grief, yet the, the joy. What are the, and you've given some examples of, so you've talked through kind of going through these stages. How do we, I guess, get to a thriving stage where we can maintain the thriving stage? It feels mm-hmm. like a thriving stage when you have children can be like pulled out and you gave a perfect example. It can be like pulled out from under you at any given moment. Like you're like, I got it. Things are good. And then all of a sudden your kid is not sleeping anymore. And you're like, I thought I had it, but I don't have it. So is there like, do you have ideas and practices around that piece? Absolutely. So this means that you are setting yourself up for great regulation practices, which I go through all of it in the book. And I mean, there's a whole list of what you can do to one of the things that I talk about is exposure to good stress. How can we actually increase our, you know, not just uh, your, our physical immunity, but our emotional immunity Mm. 
to when sucky things happen. Yes. And that tolerance that we can build. So what does that mean? Well, how often are you having a difficult conversation? How often are you speaking your truth? If you feel slighted by a friend or if you were slighted by a, a relative, yet most of the time we keep it under wraps or we're like, no, it's okay. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal until it is. So how often are you stretching yourself or you know, being that person that collaborates with other people and brings everyone into a room together, despite the fact that maybe one person may show up or everybody might be busy that, that month, but you're still going to put it out there. You're still going to do it. And so it's a whole list of what I say, you know, what's your exposure to good stress because in that good stress, and I'm not saying, you know, run five miles tomorrow, you know, it could be as simple as, speaking and sharing your truth, telling somebody when they've really, you know, hurt you instead of brushing them off or ghosting them, which is another thing that it's so easy for us as moms to do because we are busy. But what if instead, because that's the easy way out. What if instead we're just saying, Hey love, you know, I know that I've been inviting you to, to these things and I really want to connect with you. I really want to know you better. Is this, is this something that you're interested in too? Cause if not, it's totally cool, but I'd love to deepen our friendship together or whatever that is. Right. Because we're making that bridge and we're opening ourselves up to possible rejection. But in that, these are practices that will also strengthen our, you know, emotional tolerance and also strengthen our emotional capacity to deepen the very relationships in our life. Absolutely. I uh, recently sent a text to someone that was where I was like, I'm just unwilling to, I didn't say this in the text, but in my mind, I was like, I'm just unwilling to like carry worry and stress about a relationship without, and like not kind of not knowing the status of it or like feeling like my feelings are hurt, but I don't know if they know kind of a thing. And so I sent a message um, that was like, Hey, like this thing happened. And I'm like telling myself the story that kind of sounds like this. And I'm, so I wanted to check in with you and they responded immediately. And we were like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like I completely let, and the person was like, I completely understand why you think that. And also that's not true at all. Like the reason that I have not been able to respond or whatever been a, a little bit disconnected has been because of all these other things and life circumstances and what have you. And they were like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And I love you. And I would never like feel that way toward you. And it was this really validating experience. And I went into it feeling like, Oh, this feels like so needy and like weird to be like, oh, I just, my feelings are a little bit hurt or like, I'm just, <laughs> but then I was like, so glad that I did this because otherwise I would have continued carrying that. And I am, maybe it's cause I'm going to be 47 in a few weeks. I was like, I'm just unwilling to carry that shit. Like, tell me whatever the truth is. Like maybe you're in you. And I happened to get an answer that was really validating, but even if I didn't, I'm like, I just want to know. <laughs> I don't want to just, I want to know this. so it can move on. So it's yes. not going to be part of my like totally. emotional dysregulation. And exactly. perhaps, yeah, to let that shit go that's in your mind, totally. even if you right. didn't even get a response from her, I feel like just in the, that's the answer <laughs> of saying it and, and acknowledging yeah. it and, and, and actually <clears throat> leaving that message or, or sending that text that in and of itself is healing. And that's, I think totally. the, I mean, you just kind of wrapped everything up, you know, in, in, in terms of the book, but that's really what we're trying to do is just to have these healthy normalization of, yeah. okay, I'm, I might be making a story up in my head, but to acknowledge your own feelings around this. And I love the way that you frame that. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh my goodness. Oh, Nisa, this has been so fun. I want everyone to go get the book. So we're going to talk about how to get the book and all the good stuff in just a minute. Before that, I want you to share how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom. Oh gosh. Yeah. The ability to let it all hang out. I mean, you know, I think before I was all about making sure everything is tidy and, and all of the <laughs> things are organized, you know, when, when we're having people over and now I'm like, nope. All right. Who's bringing what we're doing potluck, come on in. And it's, it's all good, you know, cause I think yeah. at the end of the day, the values that I want to bring when we're bringing people together is service, love, and joy. And, you know, if there's a little bit of chaos there, can't really control it. So let's enjoy in, in all of that fun together. I love it. Okay. Tell people where can they get the book that sucked now, what, and how that can they connect with you and all, all those good things? Yes. So you can actually get the book. I mean, get the book for your, your friends, your girlfriend, you know, moms that you want to get to know. And I have a beautiful package that you could actually get. It's a package of three where you unlock all of these incredible bonuses. Literally there's five bonuses and it's at that sucked. Now what.com made it super easy. That sucked. Now what.com you can actually, you know, send me a note on uh, Instagram at Nitha Bushin. That's N E E T A B H U S H A N. And we have all of these bonuses from, you know, a workbook that I have actually that accompanies the entire journey that goes into a lot of the processes that I talk about in the book, like the rituals and the, you know, meditations. I actually, have a five day healing practice. That's also a bonus. That's been phenomenal. I mean, from our entire community, as well as the girlfriend's guide, the, how to create your soul support posse. Yeah. That's been a huge one. And so when you get the three books, because if you're trying to invite more moms into your life, we'll do that. But also it comes with a 16 page of how to do that, how to invite, how to create that container, how to make people feel vulnerable, how to make them feel safe and heard. And so you can actually create your own little circle and then you can also gift them a book. So you're creating this kind of like book club that you're practicing, embracing the suck, sitting in the suck, transforming the suck. And it's not so crazy. It's actually, okay, great for our nervous system. So, yeah. Oh, I love it. So we will have everything linked up over on our show notes. If people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Dr. Nitha Bushin and everything will be right there for people to click through, access the book, the bonuses, Instagram, all the good things. Oh my gosh, Dr. Nitha, thank you for being here. When you write the next book, you have to come back again. Oh my I God. just so appreciated this conversation. Absolutely. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. 
Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.